You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And now, Always appreciate you checking us out here. If you don't like that, I'm going to have some reaction based on a lot of the emails and comments that I've received over the past week about ESPN dumping Rachel Nichols. We're going to talk about the turnover margin in the National Football League. We're going to have our crowd ultra Q&A and, of course, Grant's rant. Hey, if you get a chance, if you are listening to this before 4 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday, I will be on with Sean Salisbury later this afternoon, 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific on No Filter Network. Always uh, love being with Sean. Uh, we're going to be on today and then again on Thursday at 4 o'clock talking all things NFL, all things sports. You can check it out. Just go to nofilter.net. Today's podcast is brought to you by my good friends at New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. And again, I want to thank those of you that have taken the time to write in and talk about your experience with New Works Plumbing and thanking them for sponsoring this podcast. I thank them as well. Uh, Really happy that they are as advertised. I knew they would be. And again, I really appreciate those of you that have taken the time uh, to send me either an email or something on social media about New Works Plumbing. They're available for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. And all you need to do is check them out online at newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Speaking of emails and messages via CrowdUltra and on my social media accounts, a lot of people have continued to ask me about ESPN and Rachel Nichols. And I've also, over the course of the months, uh, I have read excerpts from Phil Mushnick's column of the New York Post. And the reason why I do that so often is Phil is not afraid to write what so many are afraid to say. He doesn't care. He puts down what he feels. He is not concerned whether it's politically correct or it's the left or the right. or No, he puts down what he feels, and I find it to be very refreshing because, again, I feel that he's not afraid to write what so many in this country are afraid to say. I want to read a couple of excerpts from his column of last week in the New York Post as it relates to ESPN, who I have dumped on quite a bit on this podcast and on my rants, and I think it's been very justified because I just don't understand. And I, I think I did a rant on this last week. Who the hell's making the decisions at ESPN? I mean, it's embarrassing. It really is. So uh, Phil writes this. 
ESPN last week dumped Rachel Nichols from her regular MBA in studio assignments, again demonstrating that support of on-air employees depends more on race than those who may have earned support. In other words, what did all her pandering, buddy-buddy, on-court interviews with NBA stars and her dutiful shilling of ESPN's NBA goods from a studio get her? What was it worth in the end? The end came when ESPN, home of the double standard, kicked her off the air for her mild and perhaps accurate complaints against ESPN's race-based hiring and promotion practices, a record chat she wrongly figured was private. Nichols, reported to have a year left on her deal, is unlikely to reappear on ESPN. Now branded, if not smeared, her career might be kaput. Nichols should not have been surprised. In 2017, ESPN fired longtime tennis analyst Doug Adler as a racist after a reckless tennis freelance fool on assignment for the New York Times made the preposterous claim that Adler, for no apparent or logical reason, had just called Venus Williams a gorilla. One footnote before I continue with this story. I had Doug Adler on my podcast back in January. We talked about this in great detail. If you have not listened to it, I invite you to do so. It was one of my favorite podcasts. Phil goes on and says, in truth, not that truth mattered, he'd complimented her for putting the gorilla effect on charging the net. And neither ESPN nor the Times have seen fit to correct this outrageous injustice, perhaps the worst committed by media in my experience, as it has destroyed a man's career and reputation. To their continuing shame, at least in this column, the story has been widely ignored by frightened media and cowardly on-air performance tennis stars. Again, I talked about this with Doug Adler. His tennis colleagues left him hanging in the wind. I want to read that line again by Phil because I've talked a lot about this on my podcast. To their continuing shame, at least in this column, the story has been widely ignored by frightened media and cowardly on-air former tennis stars. They knew Adler had been done a terrible wrong, had said nothing even worthy of discussion, yet they're just fine with having convicted an innocent man. The word I would use, cowards. I would use the word cowards. They're all cowards. There's a right and a wrong way to go about life. You stick up for what you believe in. You stick up for what you know is wrong. And in so many cases, as Phil so adequately writes, the story has been widely ignored by frightened media and cowardly on-air former tennis stars. Phil Mushnick is spot on, 100% correct. And I've talked a lot about this over the months on this podcast. He continues, thus Nichols reasonably should have anticipated being sacrificed by the selected uh, selectivity of gutless ESPN executives. Some on-air folks escape worse with an apology, even a weak one. Others apologize, but still must be severely punished as 
in Destroyed. ESPN's appointed star, Stephen A. Smith, will soon read off a boilerplate apology form given his inflammatory and defamatory on-air race-based transgressions transgressions, and irresponsible bad guesses he presents as facts. Yet overly entitled by ESPN, he decries white privilege. But ESPN pretends that no one knows what can't be missed. Anybody listening to this podcast right now disagree with anything that Phil Mushnick just wrote about ESPN and Rachel Nichols? If you do, I would love to hear from you. You can leave a comment. You can email me. You can reach out to me via social media at Grant Napier Show. I would love to know how you feel about the Rachel, Rachel Nichols situation in ESPN. And I also would love to know what you think about Phil not having a problem writing what I think so many believe to be true. And again, I love the fact that this line, to their continuing shame, at least in this column, the story has been widely ignored by frightened media and cowardly on-air former tennis stars. How is it that John McEnroe, that Martina Navratilova, that Patrick McEnroe, let Doug Adler's career and life basically be ruined, tarnished. Doug suffered a heart attack shortly thereafter. Uh, His life was turned upside down, and all it would have taken would have been John McEnroe, Martina Navratilova, or one of the other colleagues to say, no, 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 no. We know what he was talking about. It's why Nike did a commercial on Fifth Avenue in New York City, putting a makeshift tennis court up with Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras. And the name of the commercial was Gorilla Tennis. Everyone, well, not everyone, the person from the New York Times that put out the tweet that ruined Doug Adler's career, obviously didn't know about it, but everyone else did. So I ask you, because this is some of the things that we try to talk about on this podcast. Why don't you say something when you know something is wrong? Why do you remain silent when you know that remaining silent is wrong? Why do you stand and sit back and stand by, call it whatever you want? Why do you disappear when you see someone like Doug Adler being completely defamed and destroyed over something that has been completely misinterpreted and that those that are in the business understand was justifiable. That guerrilla tennis, everyone knows what guerrilla tennis means. And it had nothing to do with the fact that Venus Williams is African-American, was playing in the match. Had it been a white player and Doug Adler had used the term guerrilla tennis, do you think anyone would have stopped and said, gee, wait a minute, guerrilla? Like, no, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. Why is that so hard to understand? And that was, what, four years ago? Five years ago? And I love the fact that Phil Mushnick is not allowing that 
to just go by the wayside, that he brings it up from time to time. I think that's great. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. How anyone could think that he was calling Venus Williams a gorilla is beyond me. Again, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. That is the correct spelling for what Doug Adler was referring to. So people ask me, how do I feel? And I have shared my opinions and my thoughts here on the podcast. I think ESPN has become an absolute embarrassment. I've used several examples, and I think that it's just a shame what has become of that network. Now, do I boycott the network? Not totally, but I honestly cannot remember, and I mean this, I can't remember the last time I watched anything on ESPN other than a live sporting event. I can't remember the last time I watched SportsCenter. I can't remember the last time I watched a pregame show, a halftime show, a postgame show. I can't remember the last time I watched. Actually, I can remember the last time. I'll tell you exactly what it was. I was in the middle of, uh, I, I was up in my my room where I used to do the radio show from home during the pandemic, and I had an issue with my TV, and I had the Barry from the home theater company come over, and the TV in my man cave, so to speak, turned on, and it was Michael Wilbon talking about Drew Brees, and I talked about this on my podcast, and he said that 85 to 90% of white America does not understand what we're referring to about the topic of the flag. And I shared the story that I reached out and I actually had a very lengthy conversation with Michael Wilbon about that because I wanted to get some more perspective on that. That's the last time, and then I really mean that, that is the last time, and that's more than a year ago, that I can actually remember watching anything on ESPN other than a live sporting event. So I'll ask you, what do you think about it? Do you think that ESPN deals in not double standards? Do you think that they're not guilty of that? Do you think that they're not hypocritical? I mean, how could you possibly follow everything that's gone on at ESPN and come to any other conclusion? Of course they deal with double standards. Of course they have different rules for their on-air talent. It's very obvious. I have used example after example after example after example. So what do you, as a consumer, what choices do you have? Well, you can make a choice that I made where I will not watch anything at all other than a live sporting event. I mean, I don't really have any other options. If I want to watch a game and it's on ESPN, well, if I want to see the game, I have to watch it. But I will not watch any of the other programming. Listen, ESPN, in the direction that they've gone, there's no question that their ratings reflect how much of an audience they've lost. What's going to happen in the near future? I don't have a crystal ball any more than you do. But I think it's been an absolute travesty. All right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk about something I read in uh, Peter King's weekly column, which I think is the best in football. Uh, I, I think Peter King is the best football writer in America. I love talking about Peter King. Uh, I've been blessed to have him as a guest 
many times over the years. I just have the utmost respect for him. Uh, I think he's the best at what he does. He wrote something in yesterday's uh, column, which he puts out every Monday, that I thought was pretty fascinating. We always hear about turnovers in the National Football League, right? Well, Peter King had this stat, all right? I want to read what he wrote. Next time you roll your eyes over a coach preaching how important turnovers are in the NFL, consider this. In 2020, 11 of the leading 12 teams in turnover differential made the playoffs, and the 12th Miami won 10 games. Seven division winners and four wildcard teams were among the top 12 in turnover margin. The teams that led the NFL in takeaways versus giveaways last year. And he talked about them. The first five, Tennessee, 11 wins. Indianapolis, 11 wins. New Orleans, 12 wins. Pittsburgh, 12. Miami, 10. Tampa Bay, 11. Green Bay, 13. Kansas City, 14. All right, I'm going to fast forward then to this. By the way, he says, the bottom eight in turnover margin. Denver, minus 16. Las Vegas, minus 11. San Francisco, minus 11. Philadelphia, minus 10. Detroit, minus 9. Houston, minus 9. Jacksonville, minus 8. Cincinnati, minus 7. How about this? None of the bottom eight had a winning record. Average, you ready for this number? This is mind-boggling. Average regular season wins per team in the bottom eight of turnover differential, 4.6. Average regular season wins per team, in the top eight of turnover differential, 11.6. So if you don't think the turnovers tell the story, is there a better illustration than the one I just read from Peter King's column yesterday? Again, think about that. Last year, 11 of the leading 12 teams in turnover differential made the playoffs. Some numbers lie. Some numbers don't lie. Those numbers point out exactly why everyone talks about turnover margin. Something else I wanted to bring up. Now that the preseason is behind us and week uh, what week one is coming up a week from this Thursday, where you have Dallas at Tampa, and then we get rolling for real on Sunday. Everyone that knows me knows I'm a big New York Giants fan. I find it fascinating that the Giants still have one of the worst offensive lines in football and that Their general manager, Dave Gettleman, still has a job because it looks like that Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, who's entering his second year, is Eric Flowers reincarnated. And then I look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who've been to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, and this year, they're starting offensive line from left tackle to left guard to center to right guard to right tackle. None of the five were on the 53-man roster last year. But I'm hearing rave reviews from Patrick Mahomes and others. And yes, I understand that there hasn't been a game played yet. And that may change in the regular season. And time will tell. But we saw the effect of not having the two starting tackles due to injury last year in the Super Bowl. And how that completely changed the game from Tampa Bay's perspective on defense. Well, Kansas City has five new offensive linemen. It appears that they have tremendous chemistry. It appears that things are going very well. And you have the New York Giants, who year after year after year after year after year have one of the worst offensive lines in football. And based on what I saw on Sunday night in the preseason game when the starters were on the field against the starters, against the New England Patriots, it's going to be a repeat performance this year. I've said this before. 
and I'm going to say it again. If I were ever a general manager of an NFL team, the first area that I am working on on my team is the offensive line. You give me a good offensive line, and I feel that I am going to win some games. You give me a good offensive line, and I feel that I am well on my way to being a playoff team. You give me a poor offensive line, and I'm telling you, there would be no chance of making the playoffs. And yet, my team that I root for, and Dave Gettleman, for some reason, doesn't understand that, number one, or number two, are just absolutely awful evaluators of talent when it comes to the offensive line. So what am I expecting this year for the New York football Giants? I'm expecting six wins, maybe seven wins. Their defense is very good. Their skill positions are good. Their quarterback, is the jury is still out, but the offensive line flat out stinks. And yet, the Giants felt necessary this year in the first round to take a wide receiver instead of an offensive lineman. It's going to cost Dave Gettleman his job, as it should. Hey, it's now time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com, sign up. It takes a minute, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. Julian wants to know, how do you feel about players demanding trades? I'm not crazy about it. I mean, if you're under contract, don't you have an obligation? Isn't that why you sign your name to paper? I mean, I, I guess asking for a trade and demanding a trade are two different things. You said demanding trade. Uh, I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I'm really not. All right, Tony wants to know, did you hear Shaq say he thinks LeBron is trying to pass Kareem? I did not, but that's been talked about a lot. Joe Myers asks, I have heard you tell stories about Scott Pollard's ability to judge players pretty quickly. Has he or does he plan to be part of an NBA scout system? That ability would seem to be valuable skill to have. I think that Scott would love to do it under the right situation, but it has to be the right situation. Right now, Scott and his wife Dawn are doing very well in real, est- real estate in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, he has a five-year-old son. He's got other children. Uh, he's a fabulous dad. He is really working hard with Dawn on real estate. And so now... I don't think so. But I would tell you, Scott has hit on many, many home runs. I'll never forget when Kevin Durant was coming out of Texas. And I asked him, I said, if you're a general manager, are you taking Greg Oden or Kevin Durant? He goes, let me tell you something. He goes, anyone that does not take Kevin Durant, number one, should immediately lose their job. I'm like, really? He goes, I'm telling you right now, this guy's going to be a flat-out superstar. And, boy, he hit that on the head. Now, When Thomas Robinson was coming out of the draft, before the Kings even took Thomas Robinson, Scott told me he can't play in the NBA. I said, what do you mean he can't play in the NBA? He goes, I'm telling you right now, he won't be able to play in the NBA. I go, why is that? He said he doesn't really have a position, and his game does not translate to the NBA. Thomas Robinson, bust. I'll never forget, I was with Scott, and I was at the uh, Champs Sports Bar, at the JW Marriott in Indianapolis. And we were getting ready to play the Pacers, I think, the next night. 
And so we're watching the NCAA tournament. And BYU is playing. And I rave about Jimmer Fredette. And Scott goes, he's great in college, but he's not going to be great in the NBA. I go, why is that? He goes, he won't be able to get a shot off in the NBA. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm telling you, he won't be able to make it in the NBA. I'm like, Scott. And he goes, okay, well, I'm just telling you, he will not make it in the NBA. He will not be a good player in the NBA. Well, he hit another home run on that. So I do respect and admire his ability to look at players in college. And he's not right all the time. He's wrong on Trey Young. He thought the same thing about Trey. So I got to be very fair to Scott. I mean, nobody hits 100%, including Jerry West. But I always thought that was fascinating, how many of these players that he got right. He told me the same thing about Ben McLemore. I mean, he's been right on on most of these high draft picks. Not all the time, you know. Uh, so far, he's been wrong on Marvin Bagley. He thought Marvin would be a home run. Well, he's obviously not been a home run. So, you know, I got to be fair to Scott. He, he's been right a hell of a lot more than he's been wrong, but not every, no one, no one bats, you know, perfect, right? All right. Alex wants to know what could be done to help pros not go broke. Well, first of all, you're generalizing. Most pros do not go broke. Most pros uh, do very well and are financially sound with their money because of the people that they have around them. And Alex, just so you know, there are a lot of businessmen that are millionaires that go broke all the time in America. So it's not just pros. You got to be careful with that. Most pros uh, do not go broke. But what can be done? It's part of investment. Cameron wants to know, do you think you could have played pro lacrosse if it was around during your time? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think I was fast enough. I played attack. Uh, I played crease attack. And I played on the wing on the extra man. I feel like my shot, I think I could have played extra man on the wing, but I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, Bob asked, what's your take on Stephen A. Smith wanting to team up with Magic Johnson on ESPN? I haven't heard that. I really don't have any opinion on that. Russell asked, is it realistic for a rookie quarterback to pick up the offense before the start of the season? Yeah, of course. They get the playbook when they're drafted. They can pick up the offense before the start of the season, but they can't pick up the other team's defenses. That's the issue. The issue is not so much picking up the offense. Yeah, they've got all spring, all summer, all training camp to learn the offense. The issue is looking at a real NFL defense. That's the that's the issue. Look, once to know if you ever watched Japanese or Korean baseball. I've watched a little of the Japanese and Korean baseball in the World Baseball Classic, but not a lot. I have not watched a lot. Charlie wants to know, have you been watching Hard Knocks? I currently don't have HBO, so I will watch it at some point. And I love Hard Knocks. It's one of my favorite uh, shows. I really have, but I, I have not watched it yet. Josh asks, what's your take on the NBA requiring employees that interact with players to be vaccinated? Why would they not? If I'm owning a team... I'm going to require my employees that interact with players to be vaccinated too. If not, they're not coming around my players. Rich asks, would you rather sign Rajon Rondo or Isaiah Thomas? 
I'd rather sign Rondo because I still don't know about Thomas's health and his durability and how effective he can be. In, injuries notwithstanding, I would rather have Thomas right now. But I can't go there. I'd have to take Rondo because I don't know if Isaiah is able to go 100%. I don't know if that injury is going to allow him to return and be the player that he was in the NBA. Donovan, the Texans want three first-round picks and two second-round picks for Watson. Would you do it? Donovan, I want you to do me a favor. Go back and listen to my rant from yesterday. And I know you probably wrote this question before I did my rant, but I want you to go back and listen to my rant, and I think I will have answered your question. Nick wants to know, was it a good choice for the Jaguars to part ways with Gardner Minshew? Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. I mean, clearly, don't you think that there's no way in the world that he's going to step on the field unless their number one guy gets hurt in Lawrence? So, yeah, absolutely. I think it was a very good move to move him. Hey, go to Crowd Ultra. Dot com. Sign up. It takes a minute. Maybe I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. It's time for Rant. Today's Rant is brought to you by the Home Theater Company, audio, video, and home theater. Just go online, hometheatercompany.com. You know, what the hell is going on in New York with the Mets? I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, the Mets have been awful. They've been a colossal disappointment. And a lot of the fans have been booing the New York Mets players. So what did the Mets do? And Javier Baez, they give a thumbs down to the fans. How about that? Is that unbelievable or what? Can you imagine paying money to go watch your team play and they turn around on you? Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor, I mean, I, I, I mean, give me a freaking break. So, what are you thinking about? Seriously, what on earth are you thinking about? Javi Baez, Javier Baez, did you see it? Said the new thumbs down sign players have been displaying on the bases is directed at the city field fans. Baez, Lindor, Pilar, all among players who turned thumbs down after a recent Mets victory over the Nationals. When Baez was asked about it, he said it was related to the boos Mets players have received. By the way, in the month of August, as I record this podcast, the Mets are eight up and 19 down. They went from first in the NL East to seven and a half out. How about that? Baez said, quote, it's to let fans know when we don't have success, we are going to get booed. So they are going to get booed when we have success. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Sandy Alderson, how about this? These comments and any gestures by Baez or other players with similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Mets fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. The players and the organization are equally frustrated, but fans at City Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fans' right. 
How pathetic is that? Bias. I mean, grow up, would you please? Quote, we are not machines. We are going to struggle. We are going to struggle seven times out of ten. It just feels bad. When I strike out, I get booed. It really doesn't get to me, but I want to let the fans know that when we have success, we are going to do the same thing to let them know how it feels because if we win together, then we are going to lose together. And the fans are really a big part of it. Javi, grow up, would you? Seriously. Doesn't get any worse than that. Seriously, that's a, that's a freaking embarrassment. Players of the New York Mets giving thumbs down to the fans at City Field. Absolutely brutal. And that's my rant for today. And that is my podcast for today. Really appreciate you checking us out. Again, don't forget, if you're listening to this before 4 o'clock Eastern, go to nofilter.net. I'll be doing the show with Sean Salisbury Thursday as well at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific. Hope you are doing well. Hope you have a fabulous day. Always appreciate you checking us out and listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.